It's Window Nation's semi-annual sale, and it's a big deal. Right now, get 50% off all windows along with no interest for five years plus bonus savings when you schedule a consult today. If your windows leak, get foggy or hot, or you're paying high utility bills, that's a big deal. With Window Nation's semi-annual sale, you can replace your windows and save a big deal, too. Schedule a no-obligation in-home estimate now. Call 866-90NATION or visit windownation.com. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You're listening to BGN Radio right here on BleedingGreenNation.com. What's going on, Bleeding Green Nation? We have uh, trotted our way down into episode number 39. I am excited because the entire preview crew is back here with us. We're talking Patriots, we are talking Eagles, and we got some great uh, guests to join us. We got Ben Volan from uh, the Boston Globe, and then we have our friend Rich Hill from uh, the Pat's Pulpit going to join us and break down some Patriots type of stuff as we look into the game. But let's uh, introduce everybody here as I see... The man in charge, Mr. BLG, editor-in-chief of BleedingGreenNation.com. What's happening, bud? Hey, always glad to be here. Mr. James Zelter from 97.5 The Fanatic. What's happening, pal? Hello, John. Uh, BLG, Pat, I, I agree. Always glad to be here. <laughs> and the uh, sexiest man to lay uh, eyes on the radio. That doesn't make any sense, but we'll introduce him anyway. Mr. Patrick Wall, what's happening, bud? I'm really excited to be here, guys. <laughs> Uh, well, yeah, man. I mean, it's yeah, the, uh, I think we kind of expected a little overreaction here, but, um, it, it gets to a point where it becomes too much. You know, the whole Foles might not, won't be as good as this, as he was last year. Cox is overrated. The Eagles are relying too much on uh, their subpar re- uh, receiving core and Jeremy Macklin's going to get hurt. Jeff Mail shouldn't make this team and MoMA, MoMA, MoMA. Is there anything that is holding weight right now for you, BLG? Or is this just like, hey, everybody calm down, let's wait and see here. Everybody's just overreacting to what they're seeing on the field. I always think there's an overreaction when you get to that first preseason game or just preseason in general. You know, it's, it's such a long period of, of no football. You know, the Eagles haven't played since January. You know, you're seeing everything for the first time. You just, you know, you just want to get it all out there. You know, uh, there's always that kind of overreaction period. But, uh, you know, there's there's some legitimate... Uh, you know, concerns and criticisms and observations in the meantime. I mean, you know, obviously Foles didn't look good last week, and that's a concern. I mean, it's it's just about to what extent, you know. Not, it's not to the point where, you know, we're saying you, know, you should be benched or anything, but, you know, these these things are concerns or, you know, you see positive play out of certain players. You know, Vinnie Curry was great, but, you know, you, you can't go to the extent that, oh, you know, well, Fletcher Cox isn't doing anything and Vinnie Curry should start now. I mean, you know, it, that's where it just gets a little extreme. 
I, I kind of noticed too that he, I don't know if he was taking direct comments uh, from Kemsky or anybody else that was criticizing him, but uh, I mean, he definitely took to Twitter. He used Kermit, which I love the uh, Kermit meme that's been going around forever of just sipping tea, should say something, but he doesn't. I, you know, yeah, I mean, uh, James, is there any legitimate concerns of yours right now that you've seen so far that we should be worried about? No, John. Honestly, I, I think the fact that there have been no major injuries is really the only thing that I care about. Uh, I think that, you know, I think BLG made some great points that, you know, you kind of have to keep your eye on things. You never want to just completely dismiss something entirely. Uh, but the word that just keeps sticking out in my head is vanilla. I, I feel like we just saw such a vanilla offensive scheme and defensive scheme against the Bears that there's just so little that you can glean from it that, that you can really move forward. Honestly, I would almost put more into what we've seen in practice than in that one game itself. It, it just seemed... Uh, nothing like the team is actually going to look when they take the field for game one. So uh, really hard to, to take any strong feelings away from it. And Patrick, I know they, I mean, I do have a little bit of concern. I mean, I don't, I didn't think Alan Barbray showed really much of anything. Um, and that was one of your guys that you were looking for out against in Chicago. Is that, did he ease your mind at all? Or is that still a growing concern going into tonight? Well, he didn't have a he didn't have a great game, so obviously he didn't uh, ease my mind or anything like that. But I will say that uh, the offensive line is probably the one position group on the field uh, where uh, group chemistry comes into play the most. You know, these guys have all played; most of them have played together in some form, um, just because Barbara has been in there for a while and he's played in uh, regular season games with a lot of these guys, uh, even if that was more at, at left tackle. I have a hard time getting really upset about our backup right tackle because, I mean, worst case scenario, he's in the game. He's in for four games unless he, you know, turns around and like cold cocks Nick Foles in the middle of a game. <laughs> like, I don't really I'm not too worried about him, you know, single handedly ruining the first month of the season for us. Yeah, Nick. Sam, well, I mean, like you just wouldn't have to. Uh, he's got to stop. Steal, damn it. I tried to joke and it didn't work. My I thought you were, it sounded like you were about to say Nick's sandwich. Yeah, no, I had sandwich <laughs> on the mind. I was just going to say the only thing to do with sandwiches. Yeah, I think the only way that Alan Barbray like cold cocks Nick Foles is if he steals a sandwich or something, which is what I was trying to allude to. It, it came out as Nick sandwich. Nick's sandwich. That's it. Put it on a T-shirt, <laughs> folks. That's it. That's how it's going to roll out. But um, uh, I think one of the other things that people are concerned about, you know, Cooper is still not looking like he's going to play. Actually, he's ruled out for tonight. Macklin's also not going to play tonight. That is starting to scare a lot of people, Mr. James Elter. And uh, I, I don't want to keep like bringing up negative things and all this stuff because Macklin has looked fantastic in these joint practices, uh, at least by the eyes of a lot of the beat writers on both sides. But is, is that still a worry that is legitimate? Well, like I said before, like the, you know, the biggest thing I look for is injuries. That's the biggest thing I worry about in preseason. That's the number one thing I'm looking for. Um, so you're never happy to hear it. Uh, it seems like the thing with Cooper isn't too big a deal. He was out, not in pads, running around uh, for the Franklin Field practice and has been at least, you know, involved in some drills, which is good to see. And I think Macklin, I'm okay with it too, because this guy's coming off, you know, an ACL. He's had so many nicks and, and it seems like sore muscles and whatever else this preseason that I don't want to overwork these guys either. I, I, I am definitely, it's something to keep an eye on, 
but I'm not at DEFCON 5 or whatever the DEFCON 1. I don't know which is the lowest one. <laughs> Whichever one of those is worse, I'm not at that. So, uh, you know, I think it's a worry. You definitely keep your eye on it, especially because both those guys are, are, are very critical to the offense's success this season. But I'm not freaking out, if you know what I mean. And, you know, that kind of leads us into the the great moment debate there, Mr. Patrick Walders. Obviously, the front runner for the uh, the Nate Brown Award, and you know, I feel like it's the same debate we had with the Acho Matthews thing that was going on, and now it's moved to Moma or uh, Male. Uh, do you have any horse in this race at all? And do you think that Moma has a shot at getting that uh, sixth uh, wide receiver slot? Well, it's interesting because I think it depends on what Chip sort of values at that position. He's got. Um, a player in mail uh, whom he coached in college, who he had uh, for the entire regular season last year, at least most of the regular season. Really, we're talking about, what, the sixth wide receiver on this team, uh, maybe the fifth wide receiver with injuries or something like that. I don't really have a horse in this race. Uh, I would say if I were to pick, it would probably be MoMA just because he gives you an element um, that you might not have otherwise just because he's so freaking tall. And because, I mean, there is still that tantalizing potential, which is why he's been everyone's uh, favorite training camp person for the last two years. We ever had a, did he win the Neighboron Award last year? We ever had a two-time winner? Yeah, no, who did win it last year, BLG? Do you know? Uh, I think we didn't have anyone last year. <laughs> I don't think we did. I mean, we did the award, but I, I think we just awarded it to no one. Okay. All I don't right. think there was anyone that really, you know, qualified. Well, yeah, and, and Patrick kind of alluded to it, uh, BLG. Does it matter if he makes the team or not? I mean, yeah, it's kind of funny because, well, first of all, we don't even know if the Eagles will keep six. I mean, they, six wide receivers. They did, you know, I think for a decent amount of the a season last year, if not the entire season. But, uh, you know, there's no guarantee, you know, because maybe they go heavy at another position or whatever. But, you know, I, I don't think it's a big deal at all. But, you know, obviously Mike and I talked about it on the site this week. Uh, he was a little more in – well, he was arguing in favor for it. You know, I was arguing more against. You know, I don't have anything against MoMA. You know, I, I really hope he could make the squad. I mean, that would be cool. I, I just think uh, the expectations can get a, a little unrealistic with him sometimes. You know, we we like to point out how he's 6'8 and how – you know, apparently he can run a four four, you know, a low four four or whatever. I mean, I, I just don't see four four speed out of that guy. You know, I'm not saying he's super slow or anything, but like, you know, I, I just think I, I think we get caught up in this this idea, you know, he's this massive guy, you know, and he can run super fast. But I think that gets a little distorted. You know, I, I think his potential is anything more than maybe like, you know, a backup receiver. I don't know. I don't I don't think he's ever gonna be any kind of you know, dominant starter or anything. I mean, keep in mind, this is a guy that the entire season last year, he was not even on a practice squad, you know, no kind of roster activity at all. So, you know, again, you know, to answer your question, no, I don't think it matters. I just, my thing with him, you know, just keep the expectations in check. And it comes to a point where, you know, you have those spots at the bottom of the roster, you know, Everyone last year thought it was the, the biggest mistake that they kept Casey Matthews instead of Emmanuel Acho. You know, and then what what ends up happening? You know, Acho doesn't really end up doing anything. And then same thing with Chris McCoy. And Chris McCoy still never played a, a down in the NFL, and now he's in the CFL. You know, so sometimes you just have to co trust the coaches on this one. Uh, no, I think the only thing that I didn't hear mentioned, I, I think it's going to come down to special teams regardless. I don't I don't care how good Momo looks and drills or running with the ones uh, as a wide receiver. I just think that ultimately if he can't contribute on special teams, and maybe he can, 
But if he can't, he's not going to get that that six spot. If Brandon, great point. If they even keep six, um, I, I think it's going to be a very interesting, hotly debated kind of roster cut move whether they do keep six or not. And and obviously, male with the special teams background might have a a bit of a, a lead on MoMA. But it, it's definitely going to be something to be watched. But I think Brandon and Pat really wrapped it up nicely. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I, if I had to, you know, if I did have to bet on anybody, I would bet male because of the, the special teams. I know a lot of people don't want to hear about that, but it's, uh, and it'll be interesting to see what they do. Um, and I, I do want to see both those guys play tonight. So it'll be interesting to kind of take a look. Um, I know one thing we didn't get to it actually, a lot of stuff, great stuff came out about chip Kelly today. Chris Brown wrote a awesome, uh, Grantland article, basically going through how the processes that he's taking and, how he does it, how the NFL is taking notice. Um, and then uh, Seth, uh, Seth uh, Wickersham from uh, ESPN, the magazine, had a real awesome thing between him and uh, Shady McCoy, and we, you should go out and check that out. One thing from the, the Grantland article that I thought was really interesting, and it relates to MoMA, and actually it relates to Curtis Marsh, who's also going to be on our uh, review show on Sunday, so pay attention to that one as he's going to join us for a few minutes there, um, is – that the twos and threes get so many reps that they're at such a higher start uh, normally compared against the the rest of the NFL. And I kind of see, and Curtis Marsh is one of those guys that was like, yeah, whatever. Uh, he's not, he's not going to be around anyway. And he's starting to, you know, take notice here. And do you, over, do you guys overall, anybody can take this, think that that's a really big advantage. You know, we talk about depth so much in the NFL and next guy up and all that stuff. How far ahead do you think that this team is because of those practices? You know, it's it's interesting because uh, Bill Davis is the one who actually brought that up, and he he said he actually charted it. You know, that's something he charted uh, in regards to his backup reps than like they would have in a, a regular uh, system that he used to be in, regular coaching staff. You know that he he had experienced, and it's it's not only interesting from that point of you know the players being better and getting more reps which seems to make sense. I mean, you know, like anything in life, you know, how do you get better at doing it? You know, you have to go out there and do it and learn from your mistakes and, you know, put it into practice. But the other interesting thing that Davis pointed out is, you know, it makes the Eagles an attractive team for backup players and, you know, or these, you know, these players wanting to earn more playing time because they're going to get those more reps uh, in the off season. So, you know, maybe that's why a guy like MoMA comes back to Philadelphia. You know, he also had offers from, uh, the Steelers and the Patriots, you know, maybe he comes back to, to Philadelphia like that just because he knows he can get more reps. Yeah. And one of the things that I think you're seeing with a guy like Curtis Marsh is when you're one of those fringe players, the more reps you get, the more a chance you have to stand out. Would, would we be talking about Curtis Marsh this much if you weren't getting three times the snaps that he would under Andy Reed? I mean, if you're a, if you're a backup player, who, I mean, let's be real. If you know you're a fringy kind of guy, you should know you're a fringy kind of guy. And they're gonna, you're going to be in a system where in the preseason, you're going to look great because the offense is cool and go Chip Kelly. And you're going to have a lot of practice film because you're going to be out there three or four times as much as you would if you were, you know, the third string guard on the Cardinals or something. So, you know. It's it's a win-win for everybody, man. Yeah, absolutely. I, it's one thing that's going to be interesting as long as they continue to have uh, success here, this coaching staff, is to see if these things really do hit it off and see how much that really does influence uh, you know, the, the rest of the NFL. Because if you can get those back-end depth guys and you know and you feel real comfortable plugging them in after you know a year or two into the system, 
that's that's a huge advantage, you know, going down the road. It's all in the details. It's all in the little things. That's what a lot of it uh, is with uh, Chris Brown and the Grantland article, and it's definitely one uh, you guys could check out. But, guys, right now we have a special treat for you. Well, from the Boston Globe, uh, Ben Volan is going to check in with us. He was with uh, there with the joint practices, and uh, we got his uh, perspective on uh, exactly what he saw out there. May even hint that the Eagles have a good shot at the Super Bowl. So let's bring him in right now. Ben Volan from uh, the Boston Globe. How are you, sir? I'm doing well. How are you? Uh, fantastic, as always. And uh, we'll start right off with some Patriots news. Obviously, uh, Ben Hartsock got uh, the axe today, and it seems like there's a lot of tight ends that are going in and out of Patriots camp all summer. Are you expecting them to kind of go through a, a veteran presence? I know Dustin Keller is like a popular name that keeps getting popped up here, but uh, do you think something they're, they'll go down that road or they're going to hunt more on the trading block here? I don't expect them to go after a Dustin Keller type, uh, more of the athletic uh, tight end than a, a true blocker and a three-down guy. That that seems to be the way they're going with these tight ends. Last year, they were a, a power football running team and uh, you know a lot of two tight end and fullback sets. And the guys they signed uh, just a few days ago, they signed three of them. Two of them were you know the, the blocking types who have played a long time but uh, barely catch any passes. They've made seven moves at tight end in the last week or so, which just shows you uh, how much they don't like the depth behind Rob Gronkowski and uh, Mike Ho'omanawanui, uh, the backup who's been a little banged up here in training camp. Uh, Steve Maneri is pretty much the only one left right now. He's a veteran who used to be on the Patriots practice squad. He might end up sticking uh, just in, in that blocking third tight end special teams role. Um but who knows what the Patriots are going to do. Uh, they, they've cycled through so many guys already. Um, you know, Rob Gronkowski is practicing, but we're not sure what his timetable is realistically for returning to contact and to the games and how many snaps he's going to play right away. Uh, and who, man, I, I don't think has hurt significantly, but he's out now. So the Patriots are really struggling at tight end. They only have one healthy one, uh, Steve Maneri, for Friday night's game against the Eagles. And I definitely don't think they're done uh, searching for guys, but I don't think it's going to be someone like Dustin Keller. It's going to be a, a, a blue-collar blocking tight end type of guy. And now for the second year in a row now, obviously the Eagles and uh, Patriots made up this week, and you had mentioned, I think it was yesterday, that the public practice kind of had a championship feel to it. And I know uh, a lot of Eagles fans' ears kind of perked up. Has the gap from last year's Eagles team, in your eyes, been dramatically shortened to this Patriots team right now, in your opinion? Certainly the uh, Eagles defense has performed a lot better this year uh, against Tom Brady. Last year, Brady and those no-name receivers that he had kind of put on a clinic against the Eagles defense. And I don't know, I just see an Eagles team that's a lot more sure of itself and a lot more confident in their coach and, and the way he's doing things there. And certainly when you watch the practice, it, it, it's really phenomenal watching two of the the best the game has to offer in Bill Belichick and Chip Kelly run a joint practice. There's no wasted time out there. It's all very fast, very um, professional, no wasted time at all. Um, just two teams really like working on their crafts. And I, I'm a big believer in Chip Kelly. I know maybe the personnel and defense uh, doesn't match up to some other teams like the Seahawks and the 49ers, but I think that the Eagles have as good a chance to win the NFC as any team this year big believer in Chip Kelly and that offense that they run. And when you watch the, the practice with the Patriots, uh, it's hard not to wonder if that's maybe a Super Bowl preview. Gotta like that. Uh, <laughs> um, in, in your rise, speaking of those, which Eagles players or player really has been the most impressive for you this week and who has really hasn't? Uh, 
Jeremy Macklin uh, has certainly stood out. Uh, he's gone up against Revis. Now, Revis, admittedly, looks like he's kind of at half speed out there, kind of dogging it a little bit because uh, we're getting to the dog days of camp, obviously, and, and a guy like him, you know, if he's getting worn down by three straight weeks of football, that, that's fine. Let him take a breather. But Jeremy Macklin's done pretty well against him so far. Uh, Zach Ertz as well. It's hard not to miss him, how much action he's getting. Uh, I know a lot of the Eagles writers are kind of hyping, hyping him up this year, and you know, I get it. He, he looks excellent out there. Uh, and then defensively, I, I don't know how much of this is, is um, just a mirage or, or truth, but Michael, I think having Michael Jenkins in the second, secondary, the new safety, um, having a veteran back there, I think really helps um, you know bring the communication and, and leadership that maybe the, the secondary was lacking a little bit last year. And uh, certainly Brady uh, has not done as well against the Eagles secondary, um, you know, this year compared to last year. So I don't know what it is, but um, Kerry Williams, some of those guys, uh, they're, they're showing up and, and they're being very competitive with the Patriots. Campbell Tompkins, Julian Edelman, Danny Amendola, uh, and that wasn't always necessarily the case last year. You know, obviously, Super Bowl talk and the Patriots go together quite well. Uh, basically, every year, it's a really uh, well-run organization. Uh, is there anything glaring for you that is might be stopping them getting there this year? I mean, injuries, that's what it's going to come down to, basically, because they got pretty devastated by them last year. Um, it, it's all about, um, can they get to January with Blanc, Darrell Revis, and Tom Brady healthy? I think if they have those three guys, then I, I like their odds of beating the Broncos, who, you know, also obviously have an excellent team, and they made some upgrades on defense this offseason as well. Uh, so it, I think it's obviously going to come down to Broncos, Patriots, and the championship game again. And then whichever team gets the home field and has maybe the better injury situation, that that's pretty much a tiebreaker because I see two very equal teams, um, and for teams that have equal chances of getting to the Super Bowl. And, and I just think if Revis is probably the difference for the Patriots this year. Um, but if he gets injured or obviously if they're just decimated on, on the offensive line or whatever, you, you can't break that stuff. But if they can stay healthy, I like the Patriots for the Super Bowl. Awesome stuff. Um, lastly, before we get out of here, uh, Friday night's game, what uh, should Eagles fans be looking out for uh, Patriots-wise? Who is uh, some of the guys that are that you've been really impressed with there? Right. Well, Tom Brady didn't play in the first game, so this will be his first action. I would bet that he gets two, maybe three series, maybe into the second quarter a little bit, and then you'll see Malik and Garoppolo. Um, the, the kid who had a breakout game last week was the receiver number 84, Brian Timms had five for 119 in the touchdown in the second half. Uh, he, he's done a good job of impressing. Uh, he, he was with the Browns last year and, and when Michael Lombardi was the GM and Lombardi's with the Patriots now and, and they signed him a few weeks ago and he's made some plays. Uh, so him and, and cornerback 29, Malcolm Butler is someone who's had a great camp, uh, undrafted free agent who looks like a good bet to make the team. Uh, and then at safety, it'll be interesting to see how much Patrick Chung plays. He's fighting for a roster spot and, probably even fighting for a starting spot. Uh, and it'll be fun to see him go, going up against his old team. Yeah. We'll be looking forward to that one as well. Well, uh, Ben Volan from the Boston Globe, we thank you so much for your time right here on BGN Radio, my friend. Uh, great. Thanks for having me. Ben Volan from the Boston Globe, thank you so much for joining us, my friend. Welcome back anytime. And uh, Mike actually was a big fan of his down in Miami, as I was too. He's, I think he's one of the great, uh, great beat writers outside of Philadelphia there. So thanks for coming on, my friend. And, uh, you know, he alluded to some of the things that he wanted to see uh, but, James, what did you really want to see tonight uh, going into the game? I'd just like to see a little more confidence from the first-team offense. I want to see Foles come out, 
and you know make quick reads i want to see less penalties honestly that's my number one thing less flags i can't handle uh, a half as many flags as there were last game but uh, i I just you know like i said i think i've made it very clear that i don't personally uh take a ton out of preseason games there's obviously stuff you can glean but uh, i don't go overboard i just want to see them come out and and the first team offense really kind of play crisp, play quick, play the way we want to see them in the season. Even if it's just for one drive, honestly, just so it can shut everyone up. I want to see the rookies. I want to see the rookies uh, make a little bit of improvement. Um, You know, I want to see Josh Huff not think he's, you know, the best kick returner ever because he had a touchdown in preseason. Uh, I'd like to see him get some nice yards, even if it's not a touchdown. Uh, I want to see Jordan Matthews, now that, now that everyone's off that train, I can jump back on and be an Eagles hipster again. <laughs> uh, I want to see Jordan Matthews uh, bounce back and and make some tough catches. He's probably going to, I would imagine, he's going to play a little bit more with the first team um, if our starting wide receivers aren't playing. Um, yeah, I mean, I want to see guys like uh, Jalen Watkins and, and the ilk uh, get better. Yeah, uh, you know, obviously Jordan Matthews is, is the one that, stands out as, as in terms of just one player you know you had those three drops or so last week and you kind of just want to see him just have like at least just one like you know maybe it's even just like a I don't know like a 13 yard catch you know and for a first down I mean I think I just think that would leave people feeling good so you want to see something like that but the biggest thing that I'm looking for you know we've heard a lot this week about uh, the Eagles defense looking good against Tom Brady in practice. And I, and I was there last year in Philadelphia for those uh, Eagles Patriots joint practices. And, you know, Tom Brady just carved up that defense. I mean, they didn't stand a chance. He was just doing whatever he wanted and he just made it look easy. You know, uh, this is going to be Brady's first preseason game as uh, Ben mentioned uh, in his interview. So, you know, you imagine they're going to have him out there for a drive or two or whatever. I kind of want to see how this Eagles defense holds up, you know, even though it's preseason, I just want to see if they can at least, you know, maybe get a st- one stop here or there, you know, or just, you know, get off the field on third down. I mean, something like that would be, again, even though it's preseason, I think something like that would be something to see. Yeah, it'll be interesting. Uh, I think that I really want to see Bo Allen come out and wreck some house again. <laughs> I want to see him do it Omar. consistently. I know. It, it just, I can't, I can't help it. I have an obsession with Bo Allen, but uh, um, I, I think that, and just like James alluded to, I'm in agreement with him. I really want to see the, the first team offense have a little more fluidity, a little more pep in its step, a little more jazzercising going on. Uh, I, I think a lot of that was obviously due to the penalties. Soldier field didn't help. Um, but it is, uh, that's the main thing that I want to see is, is the jump from there. And I'm going to be looking at Alan Barbre one more time. Uh, we're bringing in our second guest of the night. Uh, he is from patspulpit.com, another SB nation, uh, brotherhood, uh, site there. Uh, Mr. Rich Hill, the managing editor in chief over there. And he is hanging out with us talking a little bit about what we should be seeing on the Patriots side of the football. What's going on, Rich? How are you? I'm doing well. How are you doing? Fantastic. We got, uh, uh, of course, the the practices uh, joining together once again for the second year in a row. And, uh, you know, it looks like that there is a, a lot of good things that you uh, can look forward to this year. Um, mainly the, the one thing that I've noticed from you guys is since, uh, you know, McDaniels has kind of taken over and obviously you can't rely on uh, Gronkowski and, Aaron Hernandez is no longer there. Uh, the it seems like there's a big shift 
that it's instead of sticking with the tight end type of offense, you guys are kind of leaning towards more of the wide receiver core. Is that what you get the sense of too? And do you see that a lot in practice and things thus far? Yes. And actually, I think the pickup of Brandon LaFell, I guess he was a former NFC guy. So you guys might be familiar with him. Of course. He the Panthers. Uh, kind of an underrated pickup on our part. I know he flew under everyone's radar, but apparently he's done the impossible and picked up the Patriots offensive system, which no one is able to do. <laughs> the Patriots have had the worst chance of developing all receivers. The fact that he and Brady seem to be on a fairly common page at this point, I, th- I think that we're going to start seeing a little more receivers on the field. And as, as you said, Gronk's the only tight end we really can trust to be a receiver. And even though we can't trust him to be on the field. Absolutely. And there is, you know, the, the other thing that I see, at least from an outsider's perspective is that you guys have really had a, a hard time. Patriots have had a hard time trying to keep that defensive line together. Obviously when you're, you know, trading with the Eagles for Isaac Sopawaga for a fifth round draft pick, you, you tend to have some defensive line problems and not to mention that, you know, on our side of the field, they're not. Sh- we're not sure what's going on because there's younger players there still to develop. But I mean, it just looks completely injury prone here. But you guys did make a deal with the Green Bay Packers just last night. You guys were pretty active, just like you always are. And tell us basically what happened with that. And do you think that it all improves your defensive line at all? Well, definitely. I mean, just starting from the top, as you said, they've just been. I don't know if Belichick's been playing roulette with the injury wheel, but if you just run through our defensive line, we have. A bunch of people coming back from ACL injuries, like Tommy Kelly and Dominique Easley, who was our first-round pick. Then you have Tommy Kelly, uh, one of our nose tackles, Cyril Siliga. Uh, he just got a hand injury this past week. And Chris Jones, who is another one of our rotational guys, he got a high ankle sprain this past week as well. So we, we kind of had to just pick up some more of our bodies. And I don't know if these two guys are the answer, but we traded with the Cowboys for Ben Bass, who's a was a 3-4 defensive end for those guys, as well as Jarrell Worthy from the Packers. And it's kind of interesting. Neither of these guys have practiced yet this year, so I don't even know if they're supposed to help out with the current injuries. But they're on the roster as of right now for whatever that's worth, and it's possible that they're going to be playing down the road. But I, I do think that highlighting Jarrell Worthy from the Packers, is he's been the, the big pickup because he was a second-round pick in 2012. Patriots weren't fully convinced they were going to be in the 4-3 front on defense as they have been as of late. So they kind of didn't know where to go with the defensive line. And then the, the Packers took Worthy, which was a very questionable fit from the get-go because the Packers run a three-man front. Worthy is a better 4-3 uh, defensive tackle. And then he tore his ACL as a rookie in 2012. Jeez. So he actually has had, yeah, right? He's had no time to be healthy. So Patriots picked up another guy with an ACL injury, but probably on, hopefully he can convince or uh, compete because Patriots just, just acquired him on the cheap. Uh, interesting to know, too, that it, uh, going through a lot of your rookies, there are a couple that I was really high on. I know some of the guys here uh, were as well pre-draft. Uh, James White has really kind of emerged as, you know, a, a challenger. Maybe if, you know, Ridley gets, uh, or Vereen get a little fumbleitis, uh, that he could maybe emerge as that guy, and do you see him kind of contributing a lot this year, a little bit, anything that we should notice going into Friday night? Yeah, I actually think James White is going to compete big this year. I know that Brady adores him. He just throws out James White's names out of the blue, 
Uh, I know that he had, Brady had an interview last week where the media person asked him what he thought of his receivers this year, and he volunteered to talk about James White just on his own opinion, even though James White is a running back, just because he loves White's maturity and thinks he's going to have a, a very big role this year. And I guess in practice today, James White was competing with the, the first-team offense, splitting time with Shane Vereen. And I think the, the team just really likes how he can compete on all sides, where he can catch the ball, he can run the ball, and he's probably, I don't know, probably the more, most reliable pass blocker out of all of our running backs. So I, I think that early on in the year they might use him for like third down plays, but I, I wouldn't be shocked if that role grew as the season went on. Uh, the other guy, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, who is one of my favorites actually in the draft, and uh, because he went so low, I, I I think that raised a few question marks for me. But I, you know, when when Bill Belichick kind of slides his hand, then they go, okay, you, yep, you go right ahead. Uh, <laughs> but with with Ryan Mallett, I mean, this thing has been a national story for ever. You know, he was linked to so many people. And it, the, the cycle just keeps going. And, and I find it amazing, you know, reading the practice notes from guys like uh, Ben Volan and other guys from the Globe and the guys that cover the Patriots that literally on practices, they are heckling the hell out of this guy. What is the sense of Ryan Mallett in New England right now? And, you know, is he is he bad? Is that it? It's just like, what's the deal? Well, so as I said, Mallett's been linked to everyone, especially going back to the draft where – we hadn't taken Garoppolo at this point, but I guess all the rumors were swirling around it, whether the Texans, Andre Johnson would come back. And everyone was like, oh, wow, Ryan Mallett is the perfect fit for the Texans because Bill O'Brien used to coach for the Patriots. So, of course, he's going to want a quarterback that was on the Patriots. And Andre Johnson wants to go for a Super Bowl. And then nothing happened. And we drafted another quarterback, Garoppolo. And, I guess the main concern with Mallet when he's on the field is that he has all the talent in the world. He just doesn't show it when he's on the field. I mean, when he's playing in the Patriots offense, he's not really a good fit for it because everyone knows Tom Brady, the dink and dunk, everyone loves Wes Welker and Julian Edelman, and they just throw the ball and move it up the field quickly. And Mallet doesn't really have that great of a touch on the short throws, but he can bomb it with the best of them. So, I think for him, he's trying to highlight his skill set in an offense that does not suit him at all. And like maybe if you put him in an offense like the Ravens or I don't even know, some other team, the, the Cardinals, maybe he'd put up some better numbers. But when we played Washington the other day and we saw Mallet for the entire first half and he just struggled because he wasn't on the same page with everyone. And then you see Jimmy Garoppolo come out as a rookie and just light up the field. Then you just kind of got the sense that the Mallet era is over and we're not going to get any compensation for him, really. Uh, for tonight, what are you looking for specifically? I know there's been a lot of talk with Brian Timms and other things like that, that he's really emerging as a sophomore wide receiver. Obviously, your favorite cornerback in mind, Kerry Williams, you know, likes to talk a lot, likes to do all that stuff. Do you want to see him match up anywhere? Are there any wide receivers that you would like to see with some of our secondary uh, you know, what are you looking for uh, tonight? Well, specifically in the passing game, I, I know that Kembrell Tompkins is probably our shiftiest receiver. So seeing him against Harry Wills might be, uh, might be a treat to watch. <laughs> I know that Tompkins, he was kind of forced to be our starting uh, outside receiver. He played the X for a little bit uh, until Aaron Dawson was able to get healthy. But he was a rookie last year, and he kind of 
you know, he's had a tough upbringing, but Brady also loves him, loves his work ethic, and he's going to throw the ball to Tompkins. And if we know anything about Bill Belichick and Tom Brady and their play calling, is that if anyone's bad enough the Patriots, they're going to target them directly. It happened in 2007 where this cornerback for the Steelers, his name was Antonio Smith or Anthony Smith, he uh, – he, he bad-mouthed the Patriots, said that they were going to rock them, and then Brady threw two ginormous touchdowns right over his head. So it, it will be interesting. I wouldn't be shocked if Brady played a drive or two and gave a special focus to, to carry on that one. <laughs> he has a big mouth, and his, you know, his play doesn't match up, but we still love him here in Philadelphia just as good. So, um, Well, a- excellent. Uh, Rich, uh, we thank you so much. Of course, everybody out there, go check out Pat's Pulpit dot com and you'll see a lot of great content uh, leading up to the game and even get the uh, you know the opposing sides uh, response to it rich thanks so much for hanging out with us on bg on radio absolutely anytime awesome uh actually know your enemy guys go check out pat's pulpit.com and uh, a lot of great stuff uh, broken down on there that's where i stole most of my questions from because rich is rich is a fantastic writer um well guys uh, we're just wrapping up here so let's uh, do final thoughts and I need your score predictions. We'll start with you, BLJ. Uh, final thoughts are, I'm just going to steal what James said, you know, no injuries. They're, they've been through so far with no injuries. This time tomorrow last year, they already had four. They had uh, four ACL injuries. They had Philip Hunt, Jeremy Macklin, Jason Phillips, and uh, who else? Or Aurelius Ben. This year, none. You know, let's see that continue. And as far as a score prediction, let's go 30-24, Eagles win. Uh, for a preseason score prediction, I have no idea. It's the preseason. <laughs> but uh, I'll, I'll go I'll go 21-20, Birds. Um, otherwise, I, Brandon said it best. I, I don't even need to add to that. Just no injuries. Everyone stay healthy. Again, nice to see if uh, Foles can just kind of go seven for seven on the first drive or something like that, just to kind of put that story to bed a little bit. But uh, otherwise, just no injuries, stay healthy, and, you know, should be fun for preseason. I mean, uh, not that the scores matter. I do want to point out I was only three points wrong on the last prediction. All right, 34-28, I said 31-28. Oh, oh it, good it, for you. Oh, it matters. <laughs> it matters. <laughs> you know, for my final thoughts, I'm going to give you guys a little piece of uh, fun trivia. We were talking about Chris McCoy earlier. Did you know that he was the first, his signing was the first transaction of the Chip Kelly era? Yeah. I didn't know yeah. that. Oh. Wow, how about that? Yeah, there you go. That's a hell of a final thought right there. <laughs> you know, take care of yourselves and each other, and also Chris McCoy. <laughs> uh, for a final score prediction, I'm going to go, what did I say last time, 56 to 8? Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, I think uh, I think uh, um, Jordan Matthews is going to have three touchdowns this week, so I'm going to say uh, 84 to 12. 84 to 12. Nice. I like yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, same things. No injuries. Let's all have fun. Let's not uh, go crazy either side. If, you know, Foles throws a million touchdowns to remember, it really doesn't matter until we hit the regular season. Uh, we don't know exactly what they're evaluating from each game to game. Billy Davis, you know, specifically said that he wanted to see how the pass rush looked. That's why he saw a lot of open looks in the secondary. Don't freak out. It's okay. They do it for a reason and they're not going to show their entire cards. With that being said, the Sanchez will rise and have an amazing second and part half third quarter, and uh, the Eagles will win 42-31. to 31. 
Uh, for me, for uh, John Marchant, for BLG, for James Seltzer and Patrick Wall, we want to thank you for listening to BGN Radio, episode number 39. You've been listening to BGN Radio right here on BleedingGreenNation.com. Oh, <laughs>